Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. He Hello, I'm Simon Morris. Movie reviewing isn't an exact science, no matter what some of us might claim. My least favourite critics are the ones who seem to think they're representing the spirit of cinema or something. You know, this is objectively an important movie, that one is worthless trash, that sort of thing. But really it's mostly a matter of opinion, or rather I should say opinions. After all, everyone likes a movie that infuriates someone else and vice versa. God, who do you have to screw around here to get a cup of tea and a chocolate biscuit? <laughs> right. For instance, I know otherwise intelligent, decent people prepared to die in a ditch defending their view that Love Actually is one of the greatest, if not the greatest, movies ever made, along with The Shawshank Redemption, Titanic, Gone with the Wind and Forrest Gump. Just as I know people who think Marisa Tomei's Oscar for My Cousin Vinny was one of the great miscarriages of justice. I have no idea what's going on. All I know is you're screwing up and I can't help. You lent me a little camera, didn't you? Oh, Vinny, I'm watching you go down in flames and you're bringing me with you and I can't do anything about it. Personally, I enjoyed my cousin Vinny, particularly Marisa, who I've adored ever since. But it would never occur to me to insist everyone else has to go along with me. My point, if I have one, is the reason people get so upset over movies is because it is such a personal opinion. Samuel Beckett. You know, I admire the technique, but it, it, doesn't, it doesn't hit me on a gut level. I'd like to and hit this guy on a gut that, level. Stop it, Albie. He's spitting on my neck. You know, he's spitting on my neck when he talks. There really is no accounting for taste, least of all my taste, and the number of times my high hopes were dashed by a disappointing movie is equaled by the number of happy surprises. Get him! Yes! No, stop! Gotcha. Stop! Ah! No, Super Mario Brothers. This ain't no game. For instance, after going on the record that no video game will ever turn into a remotely decent movie, this year I was proved wrong, or at least halfway wrong. The new Super Mario Brothers movie missed me by the usual mile, but it broke box office records this year, so what do I know? On the other hand, I did enjoy the TV series The Last of Us. It might not be her father, but your son's. The secret of The Last of Us was there was already a lot of good story built into the game, unlike another video game adaptation this week, Gran Turismo. But in this version of the PlayStation game, the game itself wasn't the point. Instead, the film told the true-ish story of a top player who went on to bigger and better things. This whole thing is insane, but out of the couch-surfing nerds that you sent me, he is the best one. You made it. Yes! Welcome to Team Nissan.
Another of my blind spots is blood-spattered horror, so I rather resented driving 50k to see a film that had been crowded out of my local cinemas by the film festival. It's called The Last Voyage of the Demeter. Though I was intrigued to see a film entirely devoted to the part of Bram Stoker's novel Dracula that's usually skimmed over in movies. It is spoken in my village of an evil that lives in the mountains above. Evil. An evil that appears as a man when it wants to hide its true nature. Now you'd think the people that Gran Turismo and the last voyage of the Demeter were aimed at, gamers and racing fans on the one hand, and dyed-in-the-wool horror fans on the other, would love them, while I wouldn't. But imagine my surprise. Wasn't it awful? This is the worst picture ever made. Well, no spoilers, though curiously I had the same experience with a film for fans of eccentric American filmmaker Wes Anderson. Surprisingly, the fans were pretty lukewarm about Asteroid City, but maybe I was lured in by Johnny Duncan and his Bluegrass Boys. Junior stargazers and space cadets. Each year we celebrate Asteroid Day, commemorating September 23rd, 3007 BC, when the arid plains meteorite made Earth impact. Wes Anderson movies are often described as an acquired taste or you'll love them or hate them, but I'm not sure that's entirely true. I certainly liked some of them, Moonrise Kingdom and Isle of Dogs, say, more than others, Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou and Fantastic Mr Fox, maybe. Though I can't tell you why exactly. You're not here. We're not there. The car exploded. Come get the girls. I have to stay here with Woodrow. I'm not the chauffeur. I'm the grandfather. Where are you? Asteroid City, Farm Route 6, Mile 75. Well, why I enjoyed Asteroid City rather more than many full-time Wes Anderson fans. Perhaps it was because so many references seemed directly aimed at me. Asteroid City is set up as an artificial story written by a New York playwright for a stagey TV set. The sort of thing they did in 50s shows like The Richard Boone Show and the more famous Twilight Zone. What do those pulses indicate? What? Oh, the beeps and blips? We don't know. Some of our information about outer space may no longer be completely accurate. Anyway, there's still only nine planets in the solar system as far as we know, Billy. Except now there's an alien. The narrator, Brian Cranston, introduces the story set in Asteroid City, where five junior stargazers and their parents arrive to be handed prizes by General Gibson, Anderson regular Jeffrey Wright. To Dinah Campbell. It's fueled by cosmic radiation instead of sunlight. For her work in the area of botanical acceleration. Unfortunately, it makes all vegetables toxic. The Red Giant's Ash of Honor. In fact, most of the cast is made up of Wes Anderson favourites, old and new. Joining Wright are other old hands like Jason Schwartzman, Tilda Swinton and Ed Norton. Newer faces include Scarlett Johansson, Tom Hanks as Jason Schwartzman's father-in-law and the young Ferris triplets as Schwartzman's daughters. In my loneliness, I learned to give complete and unquestioning faith to the people I love. I don't know if that includes you, but it included my daughter and your four children. And it goes without saying that Asteroid City is colourful. In fact, I kept trying to work out the unique pastel wash that permeates the film. But it turns out that's pretty much what it looks like in the middle of Spain, where the film was shot. What's happening now? I don't know. I don't like the way that guy looked at us. The alien. How did he, how did he look? Like we're doomed. Maybe we are.
The set was completely built by Anderson and his crew, often in miniature. Like so many Wes Anderson films, both live-action and stop-motion animation, the aesthetic is that of a brilliantly constructed series of dolls' houses, or the world's greatest train set. Holy Toledo, that's Mitch Campbell. You're very good in the one about the tramp in the brothel who Thank gets you. amnesia and Thank becomes you. a pediatrician. You were very awesome. Actually, maybe my favorite character ever. I don't know why nobody else liked it. Oh. But everything about Asteroid City is designed to recapture a half-forgotten period, including the music. Most of it seems to be old-timey American country, but it's as artificial as the sets, much of it owing more to English skiffle groups than authentic Nashville C&W. There's actually a country group that pops up now and again, featuring faux cowboys like Britpop legend Jarvis Cocker. Meanwhile, the alarmingly focused junior stargazers display their inventions that include a flying jetpack, a botanical accelerant and a death ray. Their parents include 50s types like a crass business tycoon, an unsuccessful photographer and Hollywood sex symbol Midge Campbell, Scarlett Johansson, of course. She's filling in time rehearsing her next script, which includes a nude scene. I do a nude scene. You want to see it? Huh? Did I say yes? You didn't say anything. Uh, I meant yes, my, ma- my mouth didn't speak. Asteroid City is not only famed for its historic asteroid, but because a few miles away is the site of regular atomic bomb tests. Maybe that's why it's been chosen for an unexpected guest appearance from outer space. I've just informed the president. How long can they keep us in Asteroid City legally? The world will never be the same. That's an alien doing jumping jacks. That's an alien in a top hat. What's out there? The meaning of life. Maybe there is one. Asteroid City is as site and period specific as the early TV play structure, the buttoned-up characters and the Disney Tomorrowland title. I found it strangely nostalgic. This is the mid-50s, ten years after World War II. The grown-ups all seem to share a kind of post-traumatic stress disorder, though in a Wes Anderson film sometimes it's hard to tell. Are you married? I'm a widower, but don't tell my kids. You're saying her mother died three weeks ago. Let's say she's in heaven, which doesn't exist for me, of course, but you're Episcopalian. The kids, on the other hand, are the first to be brought up on a diet of TV and nuclear paranoia and are shortly about to invent rock and roll and the generation gap. No wonder their parents don't understand them. They're strange, aren't they? They're children. Compared to normal people. Yes, that's correct. It's true. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's why Anderson's usual fans, mostly far younger than me, didn't get it or laugh as loud and often as I did. As the toy freight train puffs to the artificial horizon to the sound of the Chaz McDevitt skiffle group, it reflects a decade that, like Wes Anderson's world, was as conservative on the surface as it was deeply strange underneath it. Maybe the 50s really were the twilight zone. What about Steenbeck, who took the photograph? It's on the front page of every newspaper on the planet. Can't we arrest him as well? Unfortunately, no. He dropped a print in the mail to his photo agency first thing Tuesday morning, and the postman got it before we did. He's innocent. Supposedly, he did a nude of Mitch Campbell, too. Mitch Campbell? Mitch Campbell. I can't say my expectations for Gran Turismo were particularly high. It's based on one of the most famous simulated driving games there is and the fact that one of its top players ended up driving Formula One races in real life, apparently. 
I have to confess, my interest in either Formula One or video games is essentially minimal. Who do you think the best driver is? Probably Rory. I would dust him in a lap. Jan, all you do is play video games with some crazy dreams of racing cars. Dad, you're the one that told us to always do something we love. I know that many of the actual fans of PlayStation games and Nissan cars, you have to get used to an awful lot of product placement in this film, have been mostly pretty snooty about the film Gran Turismo. If you know the real story of Jan Mardenborough, you'll realise a lot of the film has massaged the facts to make it more conventionally dramatic. You know what racing cars cost? Look around. It's not our world, son. But since I had no interest in the real story anyway, I supported anything Gran Turismo could do to make it more appealing to non-gamers and Formula One ignoramuses. It's directed by former South African whiz kid Neil Blomkamp, who made a big splash with District 9, but who's been a bit quiet recently. Playing Jan is young star on the rise Archie Medekwe, here defending video games against his sceptical dad, Jimon Hunsu. Listen, son... You think you're going to play a stupid video game about cars and you're going to become a race car driver? All I ever wanted to do is be a racer. I'm doing it. Jan's mum is played by, of all people, former Spice Girl, Jerry Hallowell. No wonder he seems occasionally confused. After years of beating all comers from his bedroom, he gets his big break when hotshot PR guy Danny, played by another long-time no-see Orlando Bloom, announces a contest for gamers. The winner gets to drive for real. What is this? It's a contest. The best Gran Turismo players in the world get a chance to compete in professional racing. Dude, this is real. Actually, despite snide comments from Gran Turismo critics, neither Jerry Halliwell nor Orlando Bloom are that bad. Jan's mum is based on an actual person, of course, while Danny has been partly fictionalised to give us someone to boo occasionally. This is real. I'm sorry. You really think you're going to take a kid who plays video games in their bedroom, you're going to strap him to a 200-mile-an-hour rocket. It'll tear him to pieces. The other main character, David Harbour as burnt-out ex-Formula One trainer Jack, is entirely fictitious. The fans hated him. I thought he was fine. In fact, I'd be sorry if such a generic character wasn't in Gran Turismo. You can hate me now. It's not going to work. The guys who race are elite athletes. But I won't stop now. Your kids are scrawny little gamer kids. Well, that's where you come in. Come on, let's go! Because I can't stop now. Must be a new experience for you, moving your legs. Jack tells Jan he's wasting his time, like all those previous movie trainers and everything from boxing and bobsledding to bicycling and ballroom dancing over the years. Willie changes tune when the kid shows he's got what it takes. You think you can do the impossible. I'm here to prove that you can't. You get tired, you get sloppy, you get sloppy, you get hurt, and you lose races! <laughs> you puked on my lawn. Young Jan manages to beat all the other gamers and then finds himself up against real drivers and hostile crews. If you've been waiting for someone to say you're in the big leagues now, you can have that drink. The pluses of Gran Turismo certainly don't include meticulous accuracy. Jan Mardenborough really did graduate from video gaming to the racetrack, just not quite like this. 
we have a newcomer this year. His presence is shaking the foundation of the sport. Since the major leagues, the other drivers, your pit crew are going to hate you. Much easier with a joystick, isn't it? <laughs> On the other hand, the coverage of the races, often real cars shot from all angles by multiple drone cameras, is undeniably spectacular. Thrills, spills and video game inspired graphics instantly showing where everyone is in the race are all present and correct. If you miss a line in the game, you reset. You miss it on the track, you could die. Youngster Archie Medekwe and old pro David Harbour give likeable performances and help make a predictably predictable story a pleasant enough experience. And I like the imaginative visuals deconstructing a real-life racing car into the virtual one Jan is used to driving. I suppose if you care about the real story, you may feel shortchanged by Gran Turismo. If you don't and just want something to keep you awake, you could do a lot worse. If I lose... I lose more than just a race. So I'm not going to quit. You've got to prove to everyone that you belong. When Irish author Bram Stoker wrote the novel Dracula in 1897, he clearly nailed it. Virtually every filmed version, and many films inspired by it, stick remarkably close to the original story, as does a film called The Last Voyage of the Demeter, though in this case it concentrates on just one chapter. The Demeter, on charter from Romania to London. Shipping private crates contents unknown. This is the part of the book that most retellings tend to gloss over. Having established the Count in Transylvania, you may remember, he's then taken by ship in a large wooden box to England, where the rest of the story takes place. Out at sea, with no land in sight. This here is Clemens. He's a doctor. But what happened on the ship between Middle Europe and when it crashes on the shores of England? Well, thereby hangs this tale, which opens in a Romanian port on the Black Sea. Captain Elliot, Game of Thrones stalwart Liam Cunningham, needs a crew to sail the good ship Demeter to Whitby. You dress like a learned man. University of Cambridge. I know my way around the boat. Our charter has agreed to pay a bonus for timely arrival in London. Which is where he meets the down-in-his-luck Dr Clemens, played by Corey Hawkins. Clemens joins the crew in hauling several mysterious heavy crates into the hold. And then the captain's grandson, Toby, shows him around the ship. Let me show you the ship. This here is Huckleberry. We don't come with like this to give the use clear. is a fine boat, no doubt. Well, it's a long trip from the back of Romania to the shores of Britain, especially if you lose your way. Someone should tell the Norwegian director that Whitby's nowhere near London. But that's not important right now, because one night all the livestock on board is mysteriously slaughtered. Something ripped apart the animals. All the livestock? This looks like a bite. Search the ship everywhere.
Clemens also unearths an unexpected and mysteriously anemic stowaway. She reveals her name is Anna, but not much more. The rest of the motley crew all seem to hail from the most superstitious parts of the world. Evil is on board. Powerful evil. There's clearly something sinister aboard the Demeter, and things go from bad to worse when whatever it is runs out of goats and chickens and turns to members of the crew. Meanwhile, Dr Clemens has managed to gain Anna's trust, though she tells him rather more than he wants to hear. The elders, they made bargains for the safety of our people. You were given to this man. It is not a man. It's an animal. No, it is not some mindless animal either. Do not make that mistake. We call him Dracula. Of course, the rest of us have been waiting to hear the name Dracula ever since we saw the Romanian gypsies drop off the crates and then take off, furiously crossing themselves. And in the best tradition of this sort of tale, we suspect more than we see for a good chunk of the film. Did you see the size of that bloody thing? When we see him, he's far from the suave, tuxedoed villain we're used to in previous Draculas. This one's more reminiscent of the unearthly Max Shrek and the silent classic Nosferatu. Though even clearly visible, he's capable of more than one shock and surprise. Wings. It's coming! Please, Wojciech! Wojciech, help me! The trouble with this story is we're pretty sure we know how it ends up. After all, we've been told countless times what happens to the Demeter and who, if anyone, survives after it's wrecked. But to the credit of the scriptwriters, they managed to throw in a few surprises without messing with the rest of Dracula itself. I'm going to kill the cursed thing. He is on this ship, which means we will never leave it. The devil is real. The biggest surprise was how much DreamWorks spent on what seems to be a minor production. The digitally enhanced sets of Romania and London look great, and the scary moments on board the ship are far more authentic than what's offered in the usual cost-cutting vampire movies. May God have mercy on us all. That said, The Last Voyage of the Demeter has had a lukewarm reception from horror film purists. But since that's not me, I'll take what I'm given. Nice performances from Liam Cunningham and Corey Hawkins, a few great stunts, and a well-told version of the missing chapter from a classic novel. And on that happy surprise, it's time to go. I'm Simon Morris, and I hope you'll join me at the movies same time next week. Do you love anime, gaming, movies, and discovering how your favorite pop culture affects everything you do? Then join us on Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. Every week you can listen in while we break down the latest pop culture news and dish on what new releases we can't get enough of. 
Whether you love movies, I'm going to tell you all about the uh, hopeful 4K re-release of Tron Legacy that happens. <laughs> <laughs> I'm right there with you. Or music. The music in this show yeah. is absolutely yeah. incredible. Or anime. Yeah, and under this sure. mask is another mask. <laughs> <laughs> you can discover your new favorites right here on The Anime Effect. Listen every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts, and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or on the Crunchyroll YouTube channel.